Action Monday, presented by Superbook.com. Here's Stokely and Zach. Kansas City Chiefs win their second Super Bowl in the Pat Mahomes era. Mahomes putting together an incredible, incredible resume that I'll ask you about uh, here in just a few minutes. But b- before any of that, um, and before I want to get to like, okay, yeah, the Broncos are living in the shadow of the champions. How far is Denver away from Kansas City? We'll put that on the back burner here for just a minute. Um, more stuff from the game, though, that we haven't got to. Obviously, Mahomes wins his second title, wins Super Bowl MVP for a second time. They had the holding call that we talked about at the top of the show. You and I both didn't like the call at that point in the game. Was it technically holding? Sure. Slow it down frame by frame. You'll see a hold. And if that's your take today... On a Monday, okay, we just disagree. Um, We both kind of agreed it was like going 60 and a 55 in the flow of traffic. Everyone's kind of doing it for your whole entire trip. And then right before you get off the exit, you're pulled over uh, on the off-ramp and you get a ticket. That's kind of how it felt, that for 58 and a half minutes, it was sort of biggest play of the game. Biggest 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 moment. You're going to throw it on that. Um, Third and eight, right? Uh yeah yeah and and you know it's it's he he did a good job now did he yank his jersey uh yeah uh but how much did that really impact the play I I, I don't think it really did and in that moment uh you you just let him play you know he's on top of him and you watch the play full speed and it's like he did a really good job he did. you know he did. and then you slow it down you do see the tug yeah. um and so there was a tug there there was a little a little bit of a grab um. <clears throat> So, yeah, I mean, if, if you wanted to call it, technically you can call and say it was a good call, uh, but it wasn't. It really wasn't. It, you shouldn't have called it in that situation uh, because it didn't rise to the level um, of the situation to be called. And for people to say, well, if you're going to call it in the fourth quarter, you know, um, if it's a penalty, it's a penalty. You, you know, you got to call the game consistently. No. No, I, I don't believe that's the case. I, I think uh, in certain moments, you need to let the players decide it. Um, just like a Hail Mary almost. I mean, they, don't, they don't call it uh, pass interference like they do nope. a normal play. Nope. And, <laughs> nope. And, and, and I'm saying that's how you got to call into game situations like that. Um, and now if it's a warranted play, and then, then yeah, but that one didn't rise to the level of making that call in that situation in the biggest game of the year. Uh, it, it it should have been let the guys play and um, let them decide it. it. It didn't match the tone and tenor of the first 57 and a half minutes. They, they kept their flags in their pockets. And because of that, man, what a stinking football game. What a football game. And it's almost a bit of a shame for, for Kansas City, too, really. And obviously not as much as Philly, but that we're talking about this controversial finish. I mean, the, it... it in our opinion, because we agree on this one, they should have let that go. The Eagles got the stop that they couldn't get the rest of the second half. I mean, again, it, it, it this controversial call takes away from what Kansas City did, too. Kansas City outplayed the hell out of Philly in that second half to a degree that I didn't see coming. But still, that doesn't mean it shouldn't have been 
a field goal with a minute and whatever seconds left, 45 seconds left or whatever it was going to be with Philly getting an opportunity to tie it or win it. And we just we, we, we never got to see it play out in the organic way in which it played out for the previous three hours. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. Really is. Uh, I was looking forward to seeing if Jalen Hurts could lead them down to tie the game and yeah. get an overtime or, right. or win it on a you know last second touchdown. It would have been a great finish, and instead uh, we saw a finish with a pretty much a walk off field goal, which was a, a buzzkill to be quite frank about it. And it it it, it was not um, it had nothing really to do with you know who I was pulling for or going for and. Certainly, I was going for the Eagles, uh, but at the same time, I'd feel the same way if it's if it's flipped. And you know, last year um, I was going for the Rams, and they had a, a penalty there at the end of the game that was that was an awful call um, that gave the Rams a free first down, and it would have been a fourth down play with under two minutes left. And so I feel the same way about that play. It, it was ticky tack call. Let let the guys decide the game, um, especially at the end. And far too often, these referees, I don't know, they just can't help themselves. And uh, was it a, what is, could it, was it probably justified to call it as far as from a technical standpoint? The letter of the law. The letter of the law, yeah, you could have called it. And they'll tell him he did a good job. But ultimately, he didn't. And he failed uh, that one call. I think he just failed us all of a, of a great finish and what could have been a great finish. And Kansas City still might have won, uh, but I would have loved to see. Hurts uh, have the ball there and see what he could have done, and unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, but at the same time, you know we 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 hit on a little bit earlier. I mean, Philly's defense. So what oh happened? my gosh! Wait, can I just say something before we <clears throat> yeah. move on? Because uh, just going back to the play before we just tie a bow on it. His Juju Smith-Schuster path was not as disrupted. As as you would like a holding call to be in that moment, like was it a little bit? But then you see where the ball lands. It's like twelve yards in front of Juju, and I would I just hoped that you know what I see every Sunday the referees throw a flag and then they kind of reconvene and like there is no flag on the play. I was hoping in that moment that was it technically uncatchable. No, but the amount of tug if it's on a scale, the amount of tug from James Bradbury to Juju is not the twelve yard difference between where the ball ended up and where Juju ended up. So, like in my mind, this the the letter of the law is different than the spirit of the law, and. The spirit says there's a minute 54 seconds left in this in the Super Bowl. There's been eight total penalties called in the game. The ball landed way over there. Let's 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 let these guys finish it. And by calling the flag, you essentially ended the game for Philly. So, uh, sorry, just to put a bow on it, it's like where the actual ball ended up. It just it feels. Yeah, they'll say that. Well, he got held. That's why. You know, that's but, why. He but got I got held. my eyes and I'm watching it with my working brain. It's like he was not deterred. 12 yards. No, I, I just. I, I, I know. But, you know, if you're not held, then, you know, does Patrick Mahomes just air, air mail it? If he's got a two or three yard, you know, um, uh, if he's two or three yards in front of the DB. Yeah. So, you know, that, that that's that's kind of where you go at that point. You know, he didn't throw it out of the end zone. It was still no, a catchable true, ball. True, true. But it was just a bad call in a bad situation. It shouldn't have been called and should have let the guys uh, determine it, and they didn't. And, 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 and final, final. Because, final, final. Because, final, James, final. because James Bradbury said after the game I held him, I'm net, not letting that erase what my eye saw. Okay? Like, I think it's cool that he stood up there and was like, right. yeah, like, yeah. I, you know, t- just took ownership. Yeah. You know, and didn't make it about himself and point at, point at other people. Like, he went out and took ownership. 
I'm not letting that be the compass for this conversation because I've heard other people just reduce it down to that. Like, he admitted it. He admitted it. Like, right. okay, but we see it. I, I see it. it. He did He did grab him a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that, that's right. So, but still. I, didn't I don't like care. It. It, it didn't warrant to the to the level to throw the flag. No. In that situation, no. in that game. No. That's the bottom line. Philly's defense. Yeah. Uh, I Look, I, I mean, I followed Philly this year. Obviously didn't watch them week in and week out. But, man, I uh, I thought they were much better than what they showed. Uh, you know, led the league in sacks and one of the all-time leaders. The one thing that they didn't do well was stop the run for the some some parts of the season. And but wow, I, I was just so surprised the lack of pressure. Seriously, that that group um, got on Mahomes. I mean, not just sacks, but pressure. Where were they? I think the the biggest pressure that they really got on him was that on that third down play. Where Mahomes where he did took get off? hit. Oh, 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 no, oh, where he got oh, yeah, hit. Oh, yeah, with his ankles got kind of wrapped up on the bottom. Yeah. Where, no, where he got hit. The third down play that they called the penalty. He got hit. The third and eight. He got oh. hit in the mouth. He got hit. That oh. was like the biggest one that, you know, where, where he got the most pressure in the game. It was that play. Other than that, he, he wasn't getting pressured at all. It was just, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And, um, so I, I think ultimately when you look at it, yeah, the call was a bad call. Shouldn't have been called in that situation. But the Eagles' defense let them down. You got a 10-point lead coming out of halftime. Goodness. Stop them. Couldn't stop them at all in the second half. They did whatever they wanted. I think Mahomes had like one incompletion in the second half. One, and it was a throwaway stuff. Yeah. And they um, you know scored like on all four drives. Yeah. It Three reminded touchdowns, me of, and, and then the field got to end. In a roundabout way, it reminded me of a 2018 game with the Broncos. In Minnesota, up 20 to 0, feeling good. And the Vikings went score, 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 score. Four for four in the second half of the, against that game, and, and Case Keenum and the Broncos lost. That's what it felt like. It felt like the lead should have been more at halftime. Let me just say that. Like when, when Hertz fumbles that ball, they're on, they're in enemy territory, right? And he's like transitioned the ball from one hand to the other to scoop and score. Now it's 14 14. It felt like that game was about to be 21 to 7. That, that, that's what it felt like. But to your point, dude, this was not just like the, the number one sack leader in the NFL. This was like a top five most sacks in NFL history in any season. This was 70, 7 0 sacks coming into the game. If you told me you went to the future, Mahomes with that ankle. And and it didn't get rolled the sack he you know taken off you know he gets kind of not gator roll but like he you know, his ankle gets like caught up in that tackle and he's like crying in the second quarter he's clearly bothered by it if you told me that all that would happen and and he wouldn't get one sack not not one zero sacks for Philly and it would be Hurts getting sacked twice with their offensive line that graded out to be the best in the league. Man, what a what a letdown. Yeah, Eagles couldn't run the ball at all. They had no running game. Besides Hurts taking off and making plays with his legs, they just could not run the football. So, yeah, their offensive line and defensive line, supposedly the strengths of their football team, really let them down in the end. And and that, that to me, was, was the surprising aspect of the game. I, I just thought that they, they would get after Kansas City, um, their, Kansas City's offensive line, yep. and I thought offensively they'd be able to control the gra- the game on the ground with their running game, and they couldn't. Uh, so 
Uh, and they still they still were right there because Hertz was just great through the air. And um, but the second half to to play that way in the second half defensively was um, was really the ball game. Yeah, you know how many points the Philly defense gave up in just the fourth quarter alone? Seventeen. 17 fourth-quarter points from Kansas City, 28 second-half points. It just, man, just so disappointing. They got out coached there. Um, you know, you, you give a lot of credit to Andy Reid and his offensive staff. No um, doubt. For the game plan there, especially in the red zone. I mean, they ran the same play twice and and, and scored on, on it uh, both times. It was just a well-designed play. And um, a well-executed play. It was the one to Kadarius Tony, you know, where he goes motion and looks like he's gonna either go, you know, all the way across or jet sweep it and slams on the brakes and goes back to the outside, wide open. Wide open. Okay, it worked the first time. Well, you know what? Let's flip it and let's run it with Sky Moore the second time. Same exact play, different side of the football. Now we're working on the left side, and it's the same exact play, and it worked. The exact same way. It really did. And so you give Kansas City a lot of credit for how they design these plays, and we talk about it all the time with them. They're very creative with the things that they come up with, and that was two perfect examples right there. It's hard to score in the red zone. It is. Those are freebies. Right. Those are just, hey, great job of scheming up plays, great job of coaching, and it's like – that's what that's what coaching can do for you right there. What Patrick Mahomes didn't do anything special. Nope. Right? These players didn't do anything special. Now they executed the play. They made it look like it was gonna do a certain thing. And it, it was really just a designed touchdown. And you know what? Sometimes you run it one time and you're like, okay, that's out. Let's go down our script here. Boom, let's go back to it with a different guy on the other side of the football. And both of them turned out to be big touchdowns. In the fourth quarter. I believe they both were in the fourth yeah, quarter. Yeah, they were. Second half for yeah, sure. Yeah, second half for sure, but I believe they both were in the fourth quarter. Um, really well laid out when you talk about the advantage that someone who's not actually on the field can bring to you in the red zone. And we think about what we saw here in Denver. W- watching the Broncos' red zone woes. I mean, they were the worst, worst red zone team in the league. And when those windows get tight, everything gets a little bit tougher unless you're Andy Reid and hopefully Sean Payton. It's like, how did you just scheme this up where he's just, it almost looks like a defensive gaff. Like, how could this happen? He's that wide open. I think a defender might have slipped on one of them. Um, no, not really. No? No. No, they both, they were just jamming across the football field like that guy was going across the field and slammed on the brakes and, and maybe the guy slipped, but it was it was night-night regardless. It was just... You're playing man-to-man, and you see this is what the Chiefs do. They do a lot of motion. So what are you trying to do as a defender? You're trying to beat that guy across the football. You have a lot of traffic to go through. Right. Right, linebackers right. And, and safety's all right there, and it's congested. And so you're trying to beat the guy to the punch in case they do a little shovel pass, the jet sweep, just catch it and toss it to him, or, or if they're just going to try to get you in traffic and run all the way across the field on a little quick out, you you got to get over there. It's man-to-man. And they use that against the Eagles. So it was just just a great couple great calls there from from uh, Kansas City and Andy Reid. Talk to me about this eight hundred thousand dollar field that they oh, that gosh. they kept on talking about on the broadcast and highlighting the guru guru of the grass and the process that it took two years and to to grow this sod and roll it in on the train tracks and then like they build it up and then it's like you know what it's like it was like Monster Jam on Saturday at Ball Arena. Uh oh. 
Oh, dude, what? they something went wrong with the with the with the track. Oh, that the, that the drivers couldn't maintain grip. Oh, so they couldn't do a lot of their tricks. Oh, and the drivers were huh? openly upset and like flailing their arms and in the interviews were complaining about the ballerina track. Mm. And then and then the framing of the whole event what turned into these drivers are battling here in Denver. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, it was, it turned it's into one thing. thing for it to happen at a monster truck show. And it's another <laughs> thing, you know, when you got, uh, I don't know, 20,000 people there. It's another thing for it to happen when you got, you know, hundreds of million, million people yeah. watching yeah. a football game and it's stinking grass. It's grass, man. How can you, how can that not be uh perfect condition? How can it not be in perfect shape? I, I don't get it. Um, seems like when you put it out there, you're going to test it, and you're going to make sure it's going to hold up um, nicely. And it's a shame. Like, what are we doing? Like, how how can people be so incompetent and not do their job the right way? I just don't understand it. I don't get it. And you saw guys changing cleats. Yeah. This is perfect condition. It's not like we had a lot of uh, rain and cold. And I mean, it's perfect. <laughs> That's why you're having it in Arizona. Exactly. I don't understand how it could be so bad to where we're watching guys slipping all over the place. It's just it's um it's an awful, awful look. I don't I don't know what else to say about it. Just incompetence. Um people not doing their job to the degree that they should be doing their job. And I get it. It's grass, things can happen, uh, but really, look, no excuses, no explanations here, right? Just get your damn job done and don't be the talk of the Super Bowl or one of the talks of the Super Bowl right. the day after because right. of the field conditions and guys are slipping all over the place. I, I, it I wasn't once or twice. I mean, it was oh, it was happening less than right. guys are changing cleats yeah. to go with the longer stud cleats. Right. And, you know, you go from molded cleats to, like, screw in so you can have longer cleats so you can get better grip. That's a problem. Usually you'd have that when you were playing in cold conditions, wet conditions, right. all those different types of things. Not a perfect playing condition and, and field conditions and how that's how it should be. You shouldn't be changing cleats out. It shouldn't be the talk of the Super Bowl. Guys falling all over the place. How about this one? What what what, what were your thoughts on the? I was embarrassed. Field? Well, I was embarrassed because it wasn't just a poor, a poorly, a playable field. It was the, the they were hyping up the field <laughs> like before the game ever started. There's this new field they worked on for two years and really like. How can you work on a field like, for two years? They, they were growing it. They were growing it out there and they were like showing you the process and they. I mean, really, they like they they were talking about the field being awesome before the game started and the contrast of like, no, this field actually is terrible. I just it just did not age well of the hype around it. The field guru guy, guess what? You need to lose your job. You messed up the Super Bowl. Right. That's what you do. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. Right? I don't know what else he does, but that's your responsibility. And when it when you don't deliver, then you know what? It's time to move on. You don't get a second chance here. Either you take care of your business and you got a good field or you don't. I mean, there's not much of a budget there if you've been growing this thing for two years. Right. I mean, right. like you, you got to get it right. You've got to get it right. And no excuses, no explanations. You didn't get it right. And, you know, you want to see these two teams competing on a level playing, fair playing surface and that wasn't the case and that's a shame yeah it was i heard mark say there might have been something with like with the condensation as they rolled it in and the buildings closed and uh, but like no, no matter what you can think of they should have thought of exactly 
and you ought to have a backup plan. Well, this new thing that we've been doing for two years, if it's you know got a high condensation level, guess what? We got this other field that we'll just put in, and we'll take that one out, and we'll put this one in. Right. I mean, you got to have a backup plan. Right, you need backup plan B, C, and D in case that plan surface, you know, early on doesn't look like it's going to hold up. Right, I, I, I just I, I don't get it. It's um, Hassan, you just can't have this. Hassan Reddick from the Eagles uh, said that it was the worst playing surface that he has ever played on. Embarrassing, so embarrassing, embarrassing. And how about this other layer? On Sunday, we wake up to find out that who was helping the Eagles defense? Vic Fangio. Yeah. Now, wasn't he consulting for them during the season? Yes. He, yeah, he was consulting yeah. for them, during, but well, he takes the head coaching yeah. or takes the D.C. job. But he was, uh, I don't know what level. I don't know if it was during the whole season or if it was during training camp. Okay. Um, what his role was, maybe we can clarify that exactly. Um, and then he jumps back on board. How about that? Is that, is that? Was that weird after you've already taken a job somewhere else? Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. It seems like you would you would move on, but at the same time, I don't think it's a huge deal. Um, but it is a huge deal when your defense plays like that. Mm. It's like, oh wait, you just because to me, I I read the report and and the way that it was framed that Vic hadn't really been doing much with them recently. Okay, I don't know what the case is, and then he kind of came back to help him out here in this game, and and that could be wrong, but. You know, when that report drops and then your defense plays the way that it played, eee. no bueno. No bueno. That's not a good look, Zach. Yeah, it's not a good tone setter for your new job. No, and it's not a good tone setter for, for Philly. Like, uh, um, well, now we need to get clarification on that because I, I, I took it like he hadn't been doing a whole lot here recently with them, and then all of a sudden he comes back on board because he is supposedly the the Chiefs, you know, killer. That's how I was framed around here from a lot of people that, you know, Vic's defense, oh, my gosh, he, he you know, he's got the recipe for, you know, keeping Mahomes down. And, yeah. then they, and then they, then they you know, bring him really back into the fold to help them against the Chiefs, and you can't get a damn stop in the second half. And, and but, but wasn't that too oftentimes the case here where it's like, you know, sort of the game hangs in the balance, and they couldn't could never get a stop. They gave up 17 points in the fourth quarter yesterday. So when the game is on the line, your defense gave up 17 points in the last 15 minutes of the game. So it's not identical to some of the stuff that would happen here, what it seemed like final drives and stuff after holding up sturdy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, not ideal. Couldn't get to stop at the end. Couldn't get a single sack in a 60-minute football game when you had, uh, like, one of the highest totals in NFL history. And couldn't get that stop at the end like it was here. Yeah. So he yes. was in training camp. Yeah, no, he this was in training way, camp. This is the way okay. that Mike Florio uh, phrased it uh, okay. for, for pro football talk. Uh, he said, Vic Fangio agreed to, uh, to a deal to become the Dolphins defensive coordinator earlier this month, but he hasn't officially joined the team yet. That will change after Super Bowl 57. Fangio has been working in a consulting role for the Eagles that will wrap up with Sunday's game, and then he'll be free to fully commit to himself and uh, himself to the new job. Okay. Well, that's framed like he might be been doing it the whole year, right? But but if that was the case, why would there be a report that he was back in the fold if he was always in the fold? Exactly. Exactly. I kind of read it like he, he was consulting, and then, you know, they asked him to come back and help out in this game and stay around. Um, you know, he might have helped him in training camp a little bit, and then 
he was kind of off on his own, and it's like, hey, you know, you you know the Chiefs pretty well. Yeah, Ed, can you come? We have back two and weeks to prepare. Right, come back in. Exactly. Yeah, and that would make sense because you get to an NFL season like the coaches are with the coaches. Like probably a consultant doesn't have a heavy hand on what's going on. But, that defense looked awful. Oh my gosh, they looked awful after they looked great. Well, I'll tell you this for, from from a narrative standpoint, you almost like hope that he was there the whole year. Right. If you're a Vic defender, because yes. if he wasn't and That's you played great and he came back in the fold, then right. you played like that. Okay. Yeah. I understand what your aim was, assuming that he wasn't in the fold. Yes. Yes. It's an awful look. Awful look for Philly. Awful look for Vic. All the way around, it's like, oh, you've had this thing rolling with your group of guys, and then all of a sudden, you're like, Vic, come on. Yeah, you can help us out here. You know you know the Chiefs. You can help right. us you know, game plan this thing up. Right. And and that's what we see. And it was, it seemed like it was to me more of a Vic defense. Now, I didn't watch them week in and week out. But it was a really conservative defense. And that's the way he played here. Very it's interesting. Like very conservative. Keep everything in front. Make them try to earn everything. Right. Like you didn't see a lot of pressures. You didn't no. see aggression. No. You didn't see a, really a lot of that stuff. It was more passive and conservative wow. style of a defense. And I don't, I didn't, no, like I said. I know you're speculating. Yeah, and I haven't watched the Eagles. I don't know if they played that way all year. So, But that's the way um, I saw that defense playing, and that was like a Vic style of a defense. No sacks. I'd be willing to bet they didn't have any other game this year where they had zero sacks. Whoa. Okay. There's a lot there. We still have some follow-up uh, questions. All right. We never got to uh, the, the Broncos. I, I want to know how many Denver Broncos, how many Denver Broncos would start for the Chiefs? I want to give, give you a little bit to kick that around. Uh, but in the meantime, there was something that I saw after the Super Bowl that made me regret something here in Denver even more than I already did, which I, 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 I didn't think was possible. Mm. And that's next. It's Reaction Monday, presented by Superbook.com. Here's Stokely and Zach. have a little a little Denver sports beef here uh, that we'll get into in just a couple minutes as we gather some quotes. You're not going to want to miss it. Um, but in the meantime here, there was some something I saw after last night's game. Can I guess? That, that made me regret something here in Denver even more somehow. Yes, of course you can guess. Okay. Um, my mind goes, and I saw Twitter last night or this morning, and I saw you firing a little bit, so I'm going to go with your buddy, the guy that um, gets you going uh, like no other. Oh my! Melvin gosh. Gordon going on um, Twitter or whatever, acting like he actually did something, um, celebrating uh, that game. Yes. Okay. Yes, you're spot on, of course. <laughs> this guy, man. Oh. This guy, Melvin <laughs> Gordon, is such a rare bird. He he truly. Um, he is he is so far underneath my skin. I I just I I said to you last week, uh, and I'm not going to go through my full notes of of the re- the the reason that he's been my least uh, Denver uh, athlete to cover. Um, 
but he certainly has. And last night, and by the way, hold on, let's just talk about last week. Okay. So la- last yeah. week, he is yeah. a he is a practice squad running you said back. You go. You said we weren't going to go there. No, I have my addition of notes that oh, is, okay. encompasses his time in Denver, which is like a library of stuff. Uh, in two and a half years, it's remarkable, actually, how much nonsense he shoehorned here into Denver in two and a half years. But now he's in Kansas City. He is a practice squad running back. He does not play. He has never carried the football for Kansas City. He hasn't he's, dressed out. He's never worn a helmet. He's never had the pads on. He's never been a part of the Kansas City uh, Chiefs team on game day. He was with them for the last um, seven games of the season. Okay? Ten here, seven there. But he didn't play there. He did play here. But there he is on multiple days making himself available to the media. And I told you last week and previously, this guy loves to talk. No one goes on more podcasts, does more interviews. I mean, shoot. No, I am going to the notes. He reached out to Jim Rome to address something that Sean Keeler said from the Denver Post. Like, it it just... He, he he just always loves to talk. So I, I want to stick up for him a little bit okay. on on uh, media night. Okay, he's got to be out there, right? He's got to be there. So okay. you know he's going to be on the floor on media night, and so people find him, they're going to start asking him questions. So I'm going to stick up with him. I'm going to stick up for him there because you have to be there, right? Okay. Um, uh, for for that. So, okay. um, but I, I don't think I, I stick up for him on on on, the, on this next one. So on Friday, on Friday. James Palmer's doing a hit on the NFL Network. Live. 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 So he's doing a, what's they call a stand-up. There's a, a, a panel back in studio or whatever, and James Palmer's live from the Super Bowl. He's live on TV doing his hit, and you hear, like, someone off camera starting, like, making noise, and James has to, like, look over, and he's like, oh, it's, it's Melvin. Now, you've been doing a football long enough. You know when that guy's out there doing his report, he's working. Melvin tries to get on camera, walks over to James Palmer and just makes himself available for an interview in the middle of James' stand-up. Now, okay, it's cute, I guess, but it's like, dude, like you just cannot stay away from microphones. You're so thirsty to talk. What do we need to know from you right now? You're the practice squad running back who's never played a game, and you're catcalling James Palmer knowing he's live on air that you might get on NFL Network? It's just it's 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 teenage girl level. Um, I need attention. I uh, yes yes that's that's not um, that wasn't good. That wasn't good. Like dude, you you um, you're, you're not playing in the game. You Lay low at all. Just keep it cool. Lay you, low. You don't need to jump in to the NFL Network's live hit. No one really no. cares about what's going on with Melvin right now. <sighs> there he was after the game, within one hour of the game ending, jumping on his phone and tweeting. Right, so you just won the Super Bowl. That's cool. And let me just say before I say this, like, like you can be proud of like being a practice squad member. Like, like I'm not being being a practice squad member. Like in the NFL, that's like you. You're the best player from your high school, college. Like you're elite. Like I'm not coming at the status of Melvin. I'm coming at the behavior and decision making from Melvin. So within uh, one hour of the clock hitting zeros, he tweets, "Thank you, Chiefs. Talk about a long year." Y'all gave me something to smile about. Forever grateful. I'm a champion. End quote. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, okay, Melvin, are you getting a ring? Yeah, you are. Okay. But you're the guy, why all your teammates are celebrating, you're the guy that jumps on Twitter talking about you're a champion. You gave me reason to smile. What a long year. 
It's like, what a long year of what? All you got was chance after chance after chance after chance across 10 games in Denver, led the league in fumbling, was a malcontent. But the Chiefs made you smile. And I'm a champion. I just, I'm so, I couldn't be more out on Melvin than than I was 48 hours ago. And somehow I've reached a new distance of being out. A new level. It's just like a galaxy far, far away. There's no returning. Um, I just don't get this type of type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. That's just kind of um, that's the norm for Melvin. That's what we become accustomed to, and it was just the just an uh, epic disaster here on so many levels, on so many, and bringing him back last year. Just, 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 I mean, come on, George. So bad. That's like right up there at the top of the list. Yeah. Right under, yeah. right under Russell and signing him to that contract extension. Because you saw it coming from a million miles. Right. Ahead. We were screaming. Yep. We're over here screaming the whole time. No. Javante Williams show. How many times did I say oh that? Oh, my gosh, a million. And ignored the, the everything. And re-signed him. So you doubled down on it, and it was worse than before. You, you really can't make that up. It's like the Melvin Gordon curse now is just like hovering over Denver. It's hovering over Denver. Thanks a lot, George Payton. And even when it's gone, it still gets your blood pressure rising. It does. It's, because it's you know what he does? All, all he does is complain. It's always complaining. I called him Eeyore last week. There's always this cloud, this little mini cloud that is over him raining. So when he says, talk about a long year, like knowing Melvin the way that we know Melvin, there's some level of blame that he's like pointing to Denver. Like talk about a long year, like I've been through a lot. Like, like you know, say, say a prayer for Melvin. Like let's all take a minute and just like say a prayer for Melvin Gordon. He yeah. just, he needs, he's just like, been, been oh, a tough year. it's just everything's so bad all the time. Yikes. Hey, um, just we're talking about the field. I'll just give a quick recap there. Uh, left tackle Jordan Malati. Slippery service similar similar to playing on a water park is how he kind of framed it and phrased it. Um, so, uh, you know, it's being talked about on ESPN right could, now. Could that have been part of the reason that they didn't they couldn't get their grip and be the pass rush that they have been for every single game of the season? Absolutely. And it hurts the Chiefs, too. You know, they got a good pass rush, too. Sure. So it's not just one side. But, yes, absolutely. If you can't get off the football and you're kind of slipping and sliding a little bit, you know, it hurts your run game. Now, the Chiefs ran the ball pretty good. They did. Um, but, you know, it certainly hurts your run game and some of the things you're doing in, in that regard, getting off the football. Um, and it hurts your pass rush, yes. I mean, those guys are bending, twisting, coming off the ball, you know, doing all those different things. And if you don't have good footing, it's going to hurt your chances of getting to the quarterback. It's it's a shame that we're talking about that. I know. That and the referee that right. decides to throw a flag right. when, you know, he probably hadn't thrown a flag all game. Right. And that's what we're talking about today. Uh, one more one more uh, thing to shoehorn in at the end of the Melvin thing. And just real quick, shoehorn this in. Like, I'm watching the podium after the end of the game. You got Patrick Mahomes. You got Chris Jones up on, on the podium, yeah. like, afterwards, yeah. you know, getting, you know, confetti. Did Melvin work his way up there, too? Bro, this might be worse than Melvin. The putter is up there. Is that right? The putter number five. I'm like, what the hell is he doing up there? <laughs> Bro, you punted twice. 
You punted twice oh, no. in the whole game. <laughs> I didn't like, realize get that. Get your ass down. Like, you are not up there. Like, should be Pacheco and, you know, uh, Chris Jones and Mahomes and Kelsey and, you know, I don't know, whoever else you want to put up there. Juju, Kadarius Tony, not the damn punter. And it's not like this huge stage where everyone small, can be right? up there, small. right? You only got a few yeah. hand-selected players. The punter made his way up there. Get your ass down. Wow, I didn't see that. Yeah. I did not see that. Yeah, he's up there. Tommy Townsend. Yeah, he's up there. Tommy Townsend. Good punter, but not deserving to be on the podium. So that was a Chargers outlet. Last thing on the Melvin thing, there was a Chargers outlet that was like Melvin Gordon with the Lombardi trophy is like the kid who doesn't do anything in the group project and slaps his name on the end of it. And Melvin Melvin tweeted a picture of himself at them with a cigar hoisting the Lombardi trophy. A little troll job. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's exactly what it is. Just lifting the Lombardi. Even Mike Chambers of the Denver Post said, that's probably not yours to host. Mm. Hoist. Hoist. Remember that? Av Cup writer. Oh, oh yes, yes. He was getting, yeah. Yes. Which I didn't, I, like, he got invited to the party. If they threw the Lombardi, in, uh, not the Lombardi, Stanley, the Cup. Stanley Cup in front of me, I'm going to hoist the dang thing. I'm going to hoist away. All good. That's what it's for. All good. Kansas City. What else are you supposed to do with it? Can- hoist. Hoist away. Ho- hoist away. Hoist away. Kansas City has a front-line player that helped them win a Super Bowl, and the Broncos may need to find one just like him this spring. That's next. It's Reaction Monday, presented by Superbook.com. Here's Stokely and Zach. Kansas City has a frontline player that directly helped them win a Super Bowl. And the Broncos may need to find a guy just like him this spring. Who the heck am I talking about? A Kansas City frontline starter that helped them win a Super Bowl, and the Broncos may need to find a guy just like him this spring. Interesting. Where does your mind go? Oh, man. I mean, it goes to a lot of places that they have um, frontline starters that we could use. Right? <laughs> well, that, well, that's for sure. I mean, I, I could name a, a, a bunch of different uh, players. I mean, they got a, a linebacker that's a really good tackling machine there, and uh, Bolton. They got an interior guy and Chris Jones. Um, they got some offensive linemen that you look at uh, on the interior and uh, Creed Humphreys. They're they're you know all pro Pro Bowl center second year guy. Got a nice young running back that they picked late in the draft and Pacheco at, at, right there, right there. Uh, and of course, I, I casted the widest net possible to abstract. You're going through it, and all of it's true every step of the way. But when I think of Isaiah Pacheco and the player he is for them and where he was drafted, the Broncos are going to need to bring in a reinforcement, if not two, at the running back position. And you look at the production that a Super Bowl winning team is getting from a player who was picked 251st overall in the seventh round of the draft. 
averaged over five yards a carry in the damn Super Bowl and looks like he has just, uh, you talk about fire in his belly? That guy looks like he's shot out of a cannon and runs desperate. And, yeah. the, and the Broncos are going to need to maybe address that position and find a guy like that because everyone in the league passed on that guy multiple times, and there he was, the leading rusher in a Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I, that's well said. I mean, look, Javante Williams coming off of his injury, don't know when he's going to be available. You're probably going to have a veteran, probably will be Latavius Murray. We might have a Latavius Murray, Sean Payton, Billy Turner, Nathaniel Hackett type of situation Does is – I mean, that's kind of where this love affair is going with Sean Payton and Latavius. Did you see at I did. the Super Bowl? I did. Sean Payton called him on stage like he was walking by on the. It was on the McAfee show. It, it was for a really small story, like yeah. all things considered. Yeah. Like, it's like oh, come on up here. Come on text up here. Message like, exchange. Oh. Right. That was a story we heard. It was talking about Russ um, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Latavius texted was like, "Come and join us." Which, by the way, you talk about you talk about. Hang with me on this one. Sean Payton gave the date that Latavius texted him. Oh. He gave the date? He did. Do you remember when the date was? No. I didn't pay that much attention to the story because I've already heard it. Yeah, but 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 it's easy to follow because he said, you sure you want Santa to bring that gift? And he goes, I remember Latavius texted me on December 23rd. Wait, what? Literally quoted the date. Quoted the timestamp of the text. You know who wasn't fired by that time? Nathaniel Hackett. When did he get fired? Well, he coached on Christmas. Oh, that's right. The epic. He got yeah. fired after that. Correct. I just thought that was interesting that you have a Bronco texting a coach saying, be the next coach of the Broncos before the previous coach is fired. Wow. That's uh, very interesting. I, I didn't catch that. That's a, that's a segment right there. It shows you where things were at, right? Yeah. Um. Looking at Pacheco and where they got him, obviously the Broncos don't have a ton of draft picks this year. And you probably need to address the running back position depth-wise. And what better place to do it than, than I mean, running backs, it's always a deep class. You, know, you can find running backs all over the place in the draft. And you just got to find them, though. Right. right? You got to find the Isaiah Pacheco and not the three or four other running backs that were five, six that were drafted in the seventh round that we'll never hear of. So you got to find the right guy. But they'll be there at the running back position if you want to address it in the draft later. Sixth, seventh, fifth round, wherever. There'll be some good ones there. Your job, George Payton, is just finding the right guy. Right. You can't swing and miss this year. you got to be on top of it. You don't have the luxury of 12 draft picks. No. you got to do a great job this year. He's, I mean, it's, it's on his plate. You want to save your job? Do a great job. If not, then, you know, you're on a trial, that trial run. Right. That trial run. That 40 hours of uh, AOL. Yeah. And once it's up, either you're in or you're out. Right. And so once this thing is up, after this year, we'll know. Yep. I, I, I We've already gave him credit, but I, I want to do it again after last night. Cecil Lammy was banging the table for Isaiah Pacheco before the draft. He was. That was his guy. That was his guy. Drafted in the seventh round out of, do you remember where? No. Think of the like the weakest Big Ten program that there is. Rutgers. Oh, gosh. D- Rutgers football. Rutgers. And wow. there he was with the 251st overall pick. And within the year, 
he's leading a Super Bowl in rushing. Yeah. Russ um, Ru- Russ was advocating for Montreal, Washington. George pulled the trigger. Got him Montreal. I like Montreal. I think he can do a decent job, um, but... I can't point to enough why I would like Montreal. I want to. I want to like him. I, I liked what I saw in training camp. He's a, he was a rookie, and, you know, I, I don't... I don't know why he didn't play more on the offensive side of the football. He was like the third wide in some days in camp. Know. That's what I'm saying, that Zach. I mean, like it was they were scrimmaging the Cowboys, and it's like he he was in there. Yeah. He was in the mix, and he's making plays. He was he wasn't just there. He was making plays, and it's like okay, this guy's gonna make some plays. And then KJ Hamler didn't do anything. He was hurt the whole t- year, pretty much it seemed like, and you still never saw Montreal offensively. Uh, so that was confusing. But, yeah, certainly Isaiah Pacheco would have been a much better um, draft pick than Montreal Washington. I think we have bit have a bit of a Denver sports feud brewing here. Love it. Whoa. We'll fill you in next.